Welcome to the LDN Radio Show, brought to you by the LDN Research Trust. I'm your host, Linda Elsigood. I have an exciting lineup of guest speakers who are LDN experts in their field. We will be discussing low-dose naltrexone and its many uses in autoimmune diseases, cancers, etc. Thank you for joining us. I'd like to welcome back my guest today, Dr. Tara Thompson. And Tara joined Innovative Compounding in 2012 to advance her clinical mindset by focusing on women's health and pursuing her love of compounding using evidence-based approach to research and developing patient-specific drugs. So thank you for joining us again today, Tara. Thank you, Ms. Linda. So... Since we last spoke, you know, what's been happening in your pharmacy? Well, we are currently um, still moving forward amid, you know, the, everything that's been going on in the world. Um, we're still moving forward with all of our, we're a sterile and non-sterile compounding pharmacy. So um, still doing all of those medications for our patients. We've kind of changed a couple things up, you know, about, you know, the way that we have um patients coming into the pharmacy, and we're definitely shipping out more medications these days. Um, in the United States, you have to be licensed in, you know, the particular state that you are um, shipping to. So we're licensed in 47 states, so we can ship to 47 states in the United States. Um, so we're still doing a whole lot of, sh- we're doing a whole lot more shipping these days um, than as we were, you know, before so do the you- pandemic. So do you think in time, I mean, everything is, is going to change. Nothing is going to be as it was before in some way or another. Do you think people will choose to have their medications shipped afterwards as a, as a choice rather than collecting? I think most people like the convenience of it, especially, you know, with gas prices and that kind of thing. They'd rather just get it shipped to them than... Um, drive, you know, anywhere to get it. Um, I think it's more convenient for people. We do have those patients, though, who live around here locally, and they do like to come in and look at our supplements and talk. And um, So we, we still have that as well. But um, the majority of people, I can say, do prefer for it to be sick. So, so, you know, we'll continue to have that. So as a pharmacy, the more that people want uh, medications shipped, you will need more staff <laughs> to talk on the telephone <laughs> answering questions. But, I mean, whether you are talking on the phone or talking to them face-to-face, you know, you still need the pharmacy staff to do that. But people may choose that way of doing it because, of course, anybody who's taking LDN or wants to know about supplements, etc., can call you anyway. I mean, that's the norm, isn't it? Sure, absolutely. You know, as a pharmacist, we counsel every patient on their prescription. Um, we want to make sure that they're taking it correctly at the right time of day, um, you know, if, especially with topical preparations or things that need to be measured out, that they're getting the proper measurements and that type of thing. And sometimes that's hard to do over the phone, especially when you're trying to teach somebody how to open a suppository or how to calibrate a certain um, you know, dosing mechanism to where they know they're getting the right amount. So we do try to make here at our pharmacy, we 
we do videos that we put on our website so that they can go watch those too and just sort of make it easier for those patients that we do have to talk to over the phone. With your women's health, um, Tara, what have you found LDM works well for? So we started looking um, at LDN from a dermatology standpoint, and we did see that there was a study out there talking about that it helps with puritis at a 1% dose, um, which is itching. So we, we started looking at it for itching um, on the skin. However, we had a couple patients who were having vaginal itching, and so the first thing that came to mind for me was now one percent, and so I talked to the doctor about that, and um, tried it for patients for vaginal itching, um, and it seemed to it seemed to um, help them a lot. So we kind of went that route with a lot um, of our vaginal, and I'm seeing that I know it's used in women for pain and vulvodynia, vestibulodynia, and that type of thing as well. Um, but itching and the puritis is really what we found um, very helpful for as well. Mm-hmm. And do you have any patient case histories you could share with us? Sure. We, um, we have a few patients, but the, the one that sticks out was our first one because um, she came to us. She had other issues as well. Aged woman, um, no prior um, past medical history that was significant of any type. Um, and she was already on some preparation um, our topical hormone therapy. So she came to us with vaginal itching. She wasn't at the age or in menopause yet to where she needed to worry about any type of vaginal atrophy or um, anything like that. She had good vaginal mucosa. It was all healthy and, and supple. So what happened was um, her, she was saying she was a lot of vaginal itching. Well, to us as pharmacists, we our first thing we think of when we hear about vaginal itching is either some sort of yeast infection, UTI, bacterial infection, something like that. Um, so, of course, I, you know, recommended that she go back to her doctor and um, ask, you know, tell her doctor these symptoms as well and see what the doctor had um, to say or recommend. And the doctor actually called me a couple weeks later and said this patient is just having kind of just strange little itching. She does not have a bacterial infection. She does not have a UTI. She does not have a yeast infection. That, um, it's just a random itching that she gets every now and then. And so I had previously been studying studying naltrexone um, from a dermatological standpoint and had, re- had remembered and read about the 1% naltrexone being used for that. So I recommended that to the doctor. The doctor was you know, kind of hesitant, wasn't quite sure about naltrexone. Um, I sent her the study. I sent her, you know, some more information that we had using, you know, the LDN Research Trust website and that type of thing, kind of guiding her towards more information about low-dose naltrexone in general. Um, And the doctor was amenable to go ahead and trying it. And sure enough, that worked for the patient. She was very happy with it. She kind of, you know, she used it on a daily basis, but also um, some days and she felt like she may not need it. And um, it tend to work really, really good for her and got rid of, you know, the itching problem. So um, that was a really good case study that we fed off and we've used many, we've used that in many other patients there since if they've had, if they've presented with the same issues. Mm-hmm. Board with that treatment, um, you know, m- more so now that she's seen a patient that it worked in. Yes. I mean, itching wherever you have it is, 
bad enough, isn't it? If you can't, right. if you can't stop the itch, um, terrible. And what other um, case studies have you had, or people, you know, giving you feedback? Um, from a dermatological standpoint, we've had patients who um, itching on the skin um, as a result of maybe some sort of plexoriasis or um, eczema type or rash or skin condition that they previously had that they were being treated for. But just that itch, that puritis that kind of went along with it um, was the one thing that they just couldn't, you know, it bothered them the most almost. So uh, we've done the naltrexone in them too, which seemed to work very well. It's a very popular treatment for that here at our pharmacy um, just because we believe in it and we've seen it. Um, but, of course, there's always the oral um, low-dose naltrexones, of course, that we we standard low dose dosing that we've seen for um you know fibromyalgia Hashimoto's and that type of thing great mm -hmm. success with those as well so with your skin uh, dermatological people who are using ldn do you use a topical a cream I, i'm so naive i thought a topical and a cream was the same until one pharmacist explained the difference to me. Uh, so do you use it externally as well as orally when you're treating skin? How do you tackle a skin problem? So for the, for the particularly for puritis or the itching, it, we use a topical preparation. So on the skin, um, we use a, a loosener cream and then vaginally we use a pH balance so um, it is just that we don't use an oral LDN for the itching per se because it's more um, itching is it, it they can target it to a specific spot. Mm -hmm. So the cream or the lotion or the topical preparation works great for them. They can put it exactly where the itch is. And how um, do they know vaginal how... as well? So mm -hmm. how do they know how much to use? The study that we've found um, that we're using kind of to base our information on is a 1%, and that's 10 milligrams per gram. So we, we recommend them using the full gram. But how do you measure? Just because that's what's yeah. How if you, if you tell somebody to use a gram or anything, how do they know how, how much that is? Because it's not like taking a capsule or taking five mils on a spoon or in a baby syringe or right. something, how do you actually accurately measure that out? So we use um, particular devices like clicker devices. I don't know if you've heard of those before, but um, we calibrate them to where they know exactly how many clicks to okay. um, turn from the base and mm -hmm. that gets them exactly one gram. So we calibrate it depending oh. on the density of the cream. Mm -hmm. And then vaginally, um, same thing. We have a clicker device that's a vaginal clicker device. Um, uh, and we tell them on, on the label and on the phone, we say, you know, apply four clicks or five clicks or whatever it, it is, depending on the density, um, to know exactly how much one gram is. Okay. Just to change the subject for a moment, and I was thinking of it while you were talking, because you are, do sterile as well as non-sterile, do you do LDN eye drops? 
We have not. We have not gotten into that realm. Um, I have seen it used that way and also in pellets, but we've not done those here at our pharmacy, unfortunately, yet. Mm -hmm. Okay. It seems to be very popular, um, mm -hmm. very difficult to have made in the UK. There are so many rules and regulations. We don't have compounding pharmacies like you do. Um, but that's a shame. They seem to work really well. So maybe somebody's out there listening mm -hmm. or a doctor who's thinking he's got a patient he or her has a patient that has dry eye or Sjogren's syndrome or something like that where eye drops uh, have been used to seem to be working quite successfully. Right. Um, yeah, that, that that is definitely something we we would be, you know, interested in looking into in the future. Of course, there's a lot of testing and everything involved, but it can be something that, you know, if you see it beneficial to your pharmacy and your formulary that, you know, could be added. Because hmm. I think you do do eye drops anyway, don't you? We do. We do eye drops. I'm just not that particular one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Brilliant. So children, do you compound LDN especially for children? I've seen a couple oral um, solutions that have been made for children, um, you know, flavored solutions in the 4.5 milligram or 3 milligram, even, um, you know, 0 0.5 and 1 milligram per milliliter dosing. Yes, I have seen that done in children. Mm -hmm. And have you had any feedback from parents? Um, not necessarily. I know that they, their children definitely are responding to it and are taking it well. Um, they are getting their refills. Fine when they're getting refills means you know they must be either working or you know at least they're being compliant so that we can see if it does help them you know in the long run. But um, yeah, definitely a good a good drug that we have on our, our formulary as well for children. Mm -hmm. And. You use uh, hormone replacement therapies. Do you use that alongside of LDM? Usually in our vaginal preparation, we do. Um, but that's really where I've seen it done the most. We can mix it also with taking a vaginal estrogen or a vaginal testosterone. It can also be mixed in those preparations as well. So for pain, for the itching, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But I was, I was just wondering if patients have to be careful taking LDN who are on um, thyroid medications. Yeah, I'm sure that that would, you know, be something that we would look at too, since it can um, modulate some of the thyroid actions as well. Mm -hmm. So what would you say to a patient who is contemplating trying LDN? And if you've been sick for a long time and you've been to doctor to doctor and you still feel terrible, and especially some doctors telling you it's all in your head, you're imagining all these symptoms that you, you present and they would like to try LDM, but they're a bit worried, you know, it's just another drug. It might not work for me. Does it have side effects? What's it going to do for me? What advice would you give a patient that is contemplating trying LDM? Definitely when they come to me asking if there's anything else and, and they have a condition that I know that 
LVN is a good candidate. They're a good candidate for LVN. I always refer them to either your website or some of the studies that we found. Um, our website, that type of thing, and and let them know that it has been studied in several, you know, different conditions and depending on what they have as well, Lyme disease, that type of thing. So um, I I definitely give them all the information and education about it. Um, I recommend that, you know, you can always start off at a very, very, very low dose, a milligram, a one milligram, and just see how it goes and just gradually build up um, over time. You don't have to start off at the high dose or, or anything like that. You can certainly start low and go slow and try to avoid any type of, um, you know, adverse effects or anything that they would be worried about. Um, but, you know, there are I believe one of the patients that she had some sort of um, GI motility issue, and um, her doctor was asking about LDN for that. And so, you know, in that until I started looking into it, and um, it had it had been it did have you know a couple studies about that. So we recommended LDN, starting her off very low, like 1.5 milligrams, and um, just titrating up over time and. That seemed to really work for her. So, you know, there's there's just so many different cases that um, you can recommend it for. And especially if they've tried everything else or, you know, they're kind of at their wit's end, they're ready to get, you know, opinion and, and try something new. Um, mm-hmm. It is something I think about when, you know, I see a patient that has one of those conditions that it's been studied so much in the different ones. And in the time that you've been um, compounding LDN, has anybody ever notified you of any adverse side effects? Um, Of course, the, you know, they don't feel as well on it or they're having trouble sleeping, that type of thing. But it's usually when patients start off at the higher dose or the the 4.5 dose or the 6 milligram dose. And, you know, to that, I would always, just tell people to uh, we get back with their doctor, get them started on a much lower dose and titrate them up. Because I don't think for some patients, I don't think it's something they can just jump right into. I think they have to kind of, you know, taper on the dose over time. Mm-hmm. And that really gets rid of a lot of, you know, any adverse effects or events or anything that patients are worried about um, if they start off low. So I'm pretty conservative in my dosing and I'm always, you know, Start with one milligram or start with a half a milligram. Start with 1.5. Just you never know what, how the patient's going to react to something. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in my opinion, I think everyone should start low and slowly taper up instead of going straight to the 4.5 or 6 or 7 milligram dose. Well, what can I say? <laughs> Thank you so much for having been our guest. Yeah, we'll have you back another day, Tara. And good luck to you and stay safe. Okay. Thank you, Linda. Thank you for having me. It's good to talk to you. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Welcome to this archived LDN Research Trust conference presentation. We hope you enjoy it. LDN and pets. I have nothing to declare. I'm here. Uh, We had a dog, Duncan. He was 35 pounds, uh, about 10 years old, neutered male. Uh, Beagle Basset, Jack Russell Terrier, most annoying dog I've ever owned, most fun dog I've ever owned, and just a, a great thing. Uh, he was the runt of the litter, um, and his mom was a Hurricane Katrina rescue dog. 
So um, this dog came to us. My daughter and I were working a, a veterinary show at Arlington Park Racetrack in the Chicago area, and um, we went upstairs and we saw all these rescue dogs. And Duncan was the last dog left, and he had this growth on his eye. So right away, I knew I had a problem because my daughter said, Daddy, I love him. Um, extremely active. As I said, he had a lot more Jack Russell in him than was indicated. Um, but unfortunately, after a few years, we noticed there were other things happening. And we, uh, I took him in. He was very lethargic. He wasn't eating. And if anyone who knows Jack Russell's, knows Terrors, they are very food-oriented, right? I mean, you can, you can ask them to do a million things and they'll ignore you. But as soon as you pull a piece of, of anything... That's, it doesn't have to be anything that's edible, just anything on the refrigerator, they're immediately on top of you. So I took him into the vet, and the vet, you know, said, look, I, I got to take some x-rays, took some x-rays, and he said, you know, Marcus, I'm really sorry, he says, but it appears that you have, your dog has an inoper inoperable metastatic lung cancer, um, you know, he uh, withdrew fluid, and uh, he said the, the prognosis is three days to two weeks. Pretty short, pretty late in the development, wasn't much hope for this dog, and he went fast. I mean, Dr. Khan, you know, talked about very fast-acting uh, cancers, things that move quickly. Uh, Duncan deteriorated in less than 48 hours from the time he started getting slower until I brought him in. And it was a huge change from the dog running and having a blast till all of a sudden he was nothing at all. And um, <clears throat> I'm going to play a video. Hopefully I can get this right. And let's see. Oh, I wanted to go to laptop, didn't I? Or to desktop, didn't I? Okay. So I asked the vet, uh, can I bring the dog home so he can say goodbye? It's so my family, my, my wife, my daughters can say goodbye to him. He'd been my wife's dog. I mean, my wife is not an animal person, but this dog, she trained, she brought him on and everything. And uh, he said, go ahead. He says, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I don't have much hope for this animal. You know, you can bring him back Monday and we'll put him down. I said, all right, great. I'm, I'm, I'm in tears. I'm just ready to, to drop. I'm thinking, Doc, is there anything we can do, can do to make him feel better over this weekend? He says, well, we can give him some Lasix, give him some furosemide, and uh, there's not much else. He says, I'll pull out some fluid out of his lung, and you, you, when you looked at the x-ray, you could see the pericardium was just filled with fluid. His, dog, his heart couldn't move. He, his lungs couldn't expand. And I said, okay, do it. I said, Doc, I said, you know, I'm, as you know, I provide a lot of products, you know, from the pharmacy for your patients. And um, can I try using some low-dose naltrexone? A colleague of mine, Dr. Akbar Khan from Toronto, has used it successfully with humans. And um, he said, well, yeah, sure, give it a try. He says, you know, I trust you. You can't do a dog any harm. So I said, all right. So I, I went directly to the pharmacy with him. I picked up some furosemide while I was there. I said, and, and said okay, and give me some low-dose naltrexone. We had, all we had read, made was some 4.5 milligram tablets. So I said, well, I'm going to start him on 4.5 milligrams. I have no clue what kind of dose to give this dog. Dogs have completely different metabolisms than humans, and so I was totally shooting, blind, shooting in the wind there. But uh, come on. There we go. So... Whoops, how do I, it's not coming up here, Lynn. So I brought the dog home. I got sound. I beg you. So I brought the dog home, started on the LDN, uh, one tablet a day, along with his furosemide, and um, didn't have an awful lot of hope. But if we can get, get this on here, 
a 27-second video. I could show it to you on my phone, but it wouldn't show any better. That's okay. At any rate, the video we're trying to show you is, is, going, is, on, the, uh, is on the live stream or will be available afterwards, yes. But at any rate, what this shows is a month after the dog was diagnosed, he is run. I have a half acre behind my house. He was running back and forth. My best friend from grade school, uh, since we were for the last 50 years, was taking a ball and throwing it back and f back, and he was barking at her because he, she wasn't throwing it fast enough. Yeah, so just really incredible. So uh, again, again, the video just shows this, and this dog is running back and forth, barking, and just, you know, having a blast. Um, at the initial visit, as I said, he couldn't eat. He couldn't walk. He couldn't re even respond. I had to literally, I had to carry him in. Um, and as a, this vet was very caring. He'd been taking care of Duncan since he was a pup. When I told him I was going to get this dog, he says, yes. I called him. I said, hey, you know, Dar Mark, oh, a lot of Marks. I said, I've got this dog. It's got this tumor. He said, can you do it? He says, yeah, yeah, I'll operate. I'll just charge, charge a couple bucks. And so he was really invested in this animal and in me, too. And uh, I said, just kept going and, and, and kept supporting him. Uh, so we took the x-rays, We blah, blah, blah. Okay, I should have looked at this closer. Okay, um, what the, when he took the, the when, he, when he looked at the, uh, the uh, fluid under the microscope, he saw there were a number of cancer cells and, a, and just a few leukocytes. So he said, you know, not a lot of inflammation. I think it's just pressure. So, you know, take him home, he'll survive. Again, very short expectation. Uh, we talked about this, no other medication were administered through treatment. Um, I said, brought him back at, on Monday, and he said, look, he says, you know, there's no reason to put this dog down. He says, you know, keep him going as long as you can. Animals progress very, very rapidly with cancer, uh, dogs, cats, dogs especially. The projected um, life expectancy for a dog who's been diagnosed with cancer is not more than 120 days typically. Uh, Duncan managed to last 112 days. And he was in complete comfort until those last 72 hours when we took him back again. Um, we looked at x-rays throughout, and unfortunately, I didn't bring the x-rays because I'm not a radiologist. I'm a very poor reader of x-rays. I didn't want to put something up and make a statement and then have say, people say he doesn't know what he's talking about because I really don't. Um, but I can provide those to anyone who wants them. Just email me at mark.m at markdrugs.com. Or if uh, you don't have time to write that down, email Linda and with your email address and request, and I'll be happy to uh, to forward the information to you. Um, but bottom line is, this dog did really, really well, and um, you know, it cost if it was costing a patient, it would cost the patient maybe you know less than ten dollars a month compared to thousands of dollars you would pay for other treatments. Um, the physicians in our area have become very responsive to this. Uh, the veterinarians, who are general veterinarians, uh, have just thought that was great. And we now have over 50 animals who've used this. Most of the animals, now that we actually know how to dose them, are lasting six months or greater. Um, it took a while to figure out the dosing schedule. But as I said, we've had dogs range from as small as an 8-pound Maltese to a 65 to 80-pound uh, shepherd or retriever. Um, so the, the owners have just been absolutely thrilled with the results. Uh, and then, 
as I said, we didn't really know what that dose was. I started off with four and a half milligrams because, okay, dogs have a fast metabolism. Uh, as we, we calculated then what a projected amount would be. We took an average human of 150 pounds, uh, took that four and a half milligram human dose, divided by that amount to yield 0 0.03 mgs per pound. Uh, that's, and that would have given Duncan about 1.05 milligrams a day. Again, didn't have that amount, did these calculations after the fact. Um, but after a couple of weeks, we reduced him to two milligrams a day and kept him going. So the next slide uh, shows what our actual dosing regimen is uh, based on weight with dogs. If they're less than 10 pounds, we give them a milligram a day. You can do a transdermal. I'm thinking that after Dr. Zava's presentation, we might actually want to adjust uh, that dosing. Um, if they're 10 to 25 pounds, two migs, two migs a day. Duncan was 35 pounds. We were giving him to two milligrams. Again, we were guess I was guessing. At uh, 26 to 35 pounds, three migs. 36 to 50 pounds, four migs, and more than 50 pounds, four and a half migs. I have not exceeded four and a half milligrams, even with dogs who are, who are 85 pounds. Um, and I think that's probably pretty good. I would recommend not putting into a liquid, even though it's really easy to do, and you know, because it's so bitter. And dogs are sensitive, and since my dog in particular, since he was so food motivated, if I gave him something bad and he had no appetite at that point, I can I, he probably wouldn't take it at all. Um, capsules and tablets seem to work very well. I'm now thinking about transdermals for the dogs, especially with this cat uh, that we just got this week. I'm really anxious, excited to go home and see what the results are, so we can see what's happening with that. And haha, uh, -ha, I had the shortest presentation. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that's it. Um, Any questions or comments you may have, please email me, linda, L-I-N-D-A, at ldnrt.org. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciated your company. Until next time, stay safe and keep well.